0: that everybody who cares about ideas or freedom should be wrestling with. Hello, culminators. I want to introduce you, those of you who might not know, Carol Roth. To Carol Roth, a very interesting person. I'm going to try to tease out of her today. First, I'm going to to give her a chance to introduce herself to talk about her book, which is Over My Shoulder, that red book, The War on Small Business. It's really, really germane. It's really, it's an ongoing issue. She's going to talk about it. but then we're going to talk about how censorship and cancel culture are very much a part, And I'm sure, and I'm sure that she's going to jump on this, of that war. Good evening, Carol.
1: Good evening, Ron. Thank you so much for having me and also for using the word germane. I feel like that is an SAT word that not enough people use these days, so I appreciate you introducing it back into the lexicon.
0: Well, you know, you're going to get that here. That's one of the culmination factors is the culmination of civilization and the culmination of expression. And uh, bef- while we still have the ability to express ourselves in some degree of freedom, <laughs> let's at least do so with the proper and extensive and colorful vocab. Remember that you remember Reader's Digest. I, you can't be old enough. I remember you told me you're old enough to remember. Do a little dance. Yeah, oh, get down tonight, right? That's that right. that disco classic. Reader's Digest, or was it? A, or was it actually on the comics pages of what they used to call newspapers, towards a more something vocabulary. There was like a a syndicated something where they would teach you SAT words, you know, so that you would... It might've been in the Reader's Digest. I remember when I admitted to one of my college roommates that we got the Reader's Digest at home. And I I was so culturally thick that I didn't realize what a faux pas that was. Not only did I not realize it then, it took me 20 years of thinking about his reaction figure out what a faux pas was i learned a lot from me just digest i'm sorry i'm a well-educated guy well,
1: i have to say ron i subscribe to muppet magazine so just <laughs> saying just saying i used to get that when i was a kid for
0: the pictures for the pictures
1: yes and, and the vocabulary as well
0: tell us about it tell us tell us your elevator pitch this is a nicely done book by the way i mean this is a. Uh, Not one of your cheapo covers here. It's got, you know, the raised print. It's, you know, like a...
1: Yeah, I'm a fancy gal. All right, so the war on small business is basic... Wait a minute. Let's
0: take a step before we talk about the book. Tell us about you. I know you and I go back on Twitter before, you know, before I became this thunderbolt-throwing national figure that I am. (laughs) You have been a friend for a very, very long time.
1: This this is true, and, uh, you know not sure that, that everybody really knows about my background or even knows what to make about it, but I am what I call a recovering investment banker. It is a 12-step program. I'm somewhere on step 11 permanently. I'm an entrepreneur. I play myself on television. I have written a couple of books, including The War on Small Business and a New York Times bestseller, The Entrepreneur Equation. I am an investor, I sit on boards, and I'm generally a collector of experiences. And I have an action figure made in my own likeness, which you can see- Oh,
0: there. I am so jealous. Everybody that's is. Like, that's like Jack, like Jack Besobic.
1: Yeah.
0: The no, comic no, this, this
1: is, no, no, wait, wait, this is like, this is serious stuff. This is like, this is like a, try to get out of the light.
0: The yeah. entrepreneur. That, wow.
1: Yeah, real real stuff. So, so yeah. Um, what American
0: uh, girl doesn't want to have one of those?
1: Exactly, exactly. So yeah. So I've got a, a lot of um, sort of interesting backgrounds that sort of melds everything, finance and markets and business and deals with some kind of but, media stuff. But
0: but every day now, right? Every day since you since you entered and purchased yourself on the eleven step, eleven of this twelve step program. Yes. Yeah. What's your what's your focus is it on writing book after book
1: and ha- pitching it? I have it? no focus. This is part of the exciting thing. Every single day is different You, I, you I, have ADD? What is that? I
0: You're-
1: Of course I have ADD. This is why I went yeah. into investment banking oh. instead of management consulting no, out that, of work, that, right?
0: That 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 can't be. <laughs> that can't be because no but you, but but I I mean I use ADD as my excuse for not being able to make any money. And you are in this all these like money things. All right. ADD is not our topic. That's a Jeremy. That's one of your other podcasts.
1: Billions of dollars in transactions, and I make people a ton of money. So definitely, you want you want to hang
0: around with me. (laughs) Okay. Well, I've been trying. Okay. Here we (laughs) go. All
1: right. So back to the war on small business, which is the uh, the newest book, and the the elevator pitch around it is that it breaks down what happened over the last now it's I think nineteen months with the government picking winners and losers, deciding who is going to thrive and who is going to fight to survive, not based on data, not based on science, but based on political clout and connections and how that enabled the most historic wealth transfer that we have ever seen in history from Main Street to Wall Street. So I break that down. I talk about how we got there and I end with some principles around individual rights and capitalism and really how decentralization is the only way that we're gonna be able to fight back against the central planning monster.
0: Jane and I noticed, this was this hit us immediately. This is, at one point I was, when we saw that the big stores were being allowed to open yeah. and Small stores weren't. And you know, you could understand a sort of rationale, really, really superficial point of view. Oh yeah, small stores, are crowded. People are gonna trip over each other. Big stores have big old aisles. They're bright, they, their ceilings go up for 40 feet. So I don't know, just, but, but then you start drilling down on it. And I mean, two things happen in my professional work. And you can add this in the next edition if you want. You can, you, can, you can use this.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: One was that I was actually engaged by a group of orthodox uh, small businesses in Brooklyn that were making this claim saying, the city's putting us out of business. Why can people go to Costco or big box stores? Now, of course, New York is extremely hostile to big box stores and you know supermarkets in general. But, be that as it may, they were, especially because of what now comes in in the guise of, of, a, of, a, of a, you know, a Walgreens or a CVS, right, which is basically a gigantic variety store. These stores were allowed to open up, but stores, especially in the Orthodox neighborhoods, because the New York administration focused its ire on the notoriously independent and non compliant, not really entirely true. Orthodox and Hasidic communities in Brooklyn. That happened. I screamed and shouted on their behalf for a while. And then also when I got involved, when when I joined up with Harmeet in the synagogue um, and church litigation over lockdowns, started looking at the data and realizing that, you know, first of all, people could go to shopping malls, but they couldn't go to church. And that there were really no rigorous scientific grounds for the, the magnitude, asp- the, ma- the, the, the aspect of the lockdowns that was premised on big being good and small being bad. How did they pull this off?
1: <laughs> I mean, that is the multi-trillion dollar question. And it's you know, if you kind of, like you said, drill down into some of the um, units that were able to be open, my personal favorite were some of the states that allowed weed dispensaries. To be open as "quote unquote" essential when they weren't even legal entities in those states a couple of years ago. You know, you get your pet your pet's nails done, and you can get him a haircut, but you can't get your own haircut. So it was all these ridiculous things. But then, where you really saw this was in sort of the reopening and the reshutdowns, and that's where it became really clear that this was very politically driven because you would have scenarios, and obviously, since you use New York as an example, is a perfect ground for this when they said you could open as an establishment but if you were a bar you needed to serve food so first you're going okay what what does that do and then they were serving chips just to get around it and they said no i'm sorry chips aren't enough you have to serve dip with it okay so dip now prevents you from covid
0: or even right. an 11- <laughs> The, right. petri, the, the actual, the literal petri dish, right, of, of hors d'oeuvres, <laughs>
1: you know I mean? right, exactly. Not not cheese in your veins is going to help you. Now um, they
0: would have banned double dippers. Then we'd have something to talk about.
1: Yes, but then George Costanza would have been mad. At that that's a whole that's a whole other story. Um, and then things like when they decided to shut down restaurants again. But if you looked at the the context tracing data from the state, only 1.4% of the COVID cases were coming from restaurants versus other places. And you're like, well, why are you shutting down the restaurant if that's what you're not, you know, what your data is telling you is only 1.4% of the cases are coming there. So, I mean, and there are like, we could go through a trillion examples, but I think people get, get the, uh, the sense is that none of this was data driven. And even to the extent, and, and Obviously, if you were shopping during this time, you know that there were places like Home Depot or the grocery store that were just packed with people. You saw there there were no death pools that were associated with any of these places that stayed Remember,
0: open. super spreaders, super <laughs> spreaders, super spreaders.
1: Yeah. Okay. But, but there, there but weren't, there was, there's no data. So, and there are examples of, you know, right, back- but,
0: but there was no data. Why, so what, did I just... Stumble upon it, explaining it. The entire explanation, which was that it had a superficial rightness to it, and somehow people just bought it and then incorporated it into their worldviews. Is that all that happened? So, or are we just no one thought about anything.
1: So it's I. I give you a choose-your-own-adventure book. So either you think that they are incredibly incompetent. Either you think, and they being the the central planners, the government at at all levels, you think that they, they felt like they had to do something, and so the small businesses were just too small to matter. Or there's an explanation that small businesses are, um, you know, not not really politically um, helpful, shall we say, and so they're too hard to control. And when you have half the economy concentrated in twenty thousand ish big businesses, these are updated numbers since the book um, that just came out, and you know the other half the economy in thirty one point seven million small businesses. Which of those as a politician is it easier for you to make deals with and scratch each other's back? It's obviously the big businesses. So shutting down the small businesses not only helps the big businesses, um, because you know, obviously, those dollars were big spent with the small businesses. They were going to the big businesses, and that's one level of this you know, wealth transfer. But again, they don't—they want them to close because they're not helpful. They—they they're, do no good. They would rather that business be with those couple of big businesses. That's what central planning is all about—is that consolidation of the economy. And okay. So-, so,
0: so, so let me now. Let me now, as an as a a bachelor's in economics, <laughs> okay, that's, that's as far as I got and then checkbook bouncing. I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to law school. But let's be a little a little naive here. <laughs> we know that, I'm gonna come ask my question from the perspective of someone who lives in Northern New Jersey, which is a perfect laboratory for this question because we've got all this civilization up here in Northern New Jersey that is uh, in exile from New York, including your, your podcaster, right? Um, by the way, I forgot to mention in the intro, in the quasi introduction and Jeremy knows my producer, how terrible I am at introductions. You had me on your podcast. You were one of the first people to have me on your podcast. Um, and, um, Everyone heard that, of course. Um,
1: I, I actually I take a hundred percent credit for all of your success. <laughs> How brilliant you were, Ron! They could, well, I can't get enough of him. He needs to have his own
0: podcast. So, um,
1: you,
0: <laughs> so the so you have in New York the epitome of central planning, right across the river from where I'm sitting here. Yeah. But as I said before. The, they're not, in many respects, there is a a residual, and a lot of it has to do with land use and real estate values, a residual resistance to big business on the retail. We're talking, if, if there's an issue, th- this is not only about retail, but it's lo- it's mostly about retail, isn't it? Or is that, you know, I mean, even we're talking about Amazon, like this is not a B2B story, this is a B2C story, isn't it?
1: I mean, I think in terms of the businesses that were the most impacted from the kind of first layer of this, but as we know, the economy is interconnected. So there are all kinds of B2B businesses, whether they serviced these B2C businesses or whether they were in an industry that was decimated. That also are part of the story, so I don't want to leave them out. But of course, yeah, if you were this consumer facing business, you were probably the most likely to be the most affected.
0: All right, so let's get go go through my my thought experiment here. So you've got you've got Andrew Cuomo up in Albany, running a state basically on the power of the elector, the political influence that far-left liberals have in about eight or nine New York counties. And then north of that is a, an economic wasteland, a wasteland. No industry, no hope. The Bills didn't even get into the Super Bowl last year. Like nothing, <laughs> nothing. They're doing really well this
1: year, though, I have to say. Well, hey, we
0: doing very well last year, too, you know. Uh, and he's putting in his lot, as they're doing in Albany now, and, and with, with, with. The southern red counties—I mean, blue counties—fine, but in those counties, well, certainly in New York City, the big business, the, the big retail businesses, don't have a lot of sway. And maybe this actually is the thesis of your book. Um, maybe they don't have a lot of sway on the on the street, but they still have a lot of sway. What with campaign donations and and with political influence. I mean, how does well, Target well, they, they and about- Walmart? Yeah, tell me, tell me.
1: Well, I would say that think about in and so obviously the New York economy is going to be different than you know each of the economies you have to kind of look at individual, but there is that thread. I mean, who's the most important economy in New York? It's the big financial institutions.
0: Right. Okay. And so
1: so so really, the only thing that,
0: that what, and what they sell is nothing. They sell, they sell, they sell
1: hopes and dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Services and
0: bundles of rights. Right. So, okay.
1: so they you know, so basically and everybody left the city. So it's not like these small businesses were useful or important to them because people weren't coming into the city anymore to do their business. They were staying at home because they were able to do this. So the New York economy is very different than perhaps another economy. But if you think about who was the very first entities that were taken care of before anything happened. It was Wall Street's. The oh, very yeah. first action came oh, from yeah. the Federal Reserve before anything else happened from Congress or at the right. Or whatnot. Be,
0: liquidity won't be a problem. We pro- are, you, you know, I forgot all about that. <laughs> right. So, so, there'll be plenty of money. Money. You won't know from. Right. Don't so, worry. Okay. So, good. It, so in
1: that particular, in the New York case. The, you know, forget about the target versus little guy driving. This, this is this is you know Fed and Wall Street versus little guy, and this goes back to the wealth transfer. So as I said, there's uh-huh. two level. This is two two levels to this. So if you are a publicly traded company, your Amazon, your uh, you know Walmart, your Google, whoever it is. So not only did some of these companies benefit, you know the Amazons of the world certainly benefited, Walmart benefited because the shutdowns drove the customers and they were able to increase their revenue. But the Federal Reserve pumped trillions of dollars into the stock market, and we have to remember this is money created from nowhere. It's not like they have you know real money. This is like made up out of of every you know out of thin air, and put it into the stock market. So it expanded the multiples and the valuations of these companies. On top of it, and so that's the second level of the wealth transfer that's happening that people don't understand about. And ever.
0: everyone with a, and of course everyone with a 401k. Is also paid off by virtue right. of their portfolio. And, so even and all, us- the, and
1: all the states and their pensions, which were all struggling, by the way, going into this. So all these state pensions, which really needed the stock market to have a good year in order for them to meet their calculations. So if you're a retiree, if you're a saver, if you're somebody who's just dabbling in the stock market, who used to put your or put your money into like a CD, you know, something that was low risk. Um, you, you used to be able to earn a, a few percentage points on your money. Now you're earning next to nothing. That money is being lent out to big companies that have access to capital at almost no interest rates. They're using that to get bigger and go out and compete with the small guys and to increase their valuations. So the small businesses, the retirees, the savers, the people who you know just want a, a little something – are, are the ones who are financing this expansion. And then if you're trying to even keep up with the cost of inflation that's coming out of this, you have to take on additional risk to even get a couple percentage points on your money. And this is the insanity of what happened. And it, again, it's those extra layers, what happened with the Fed and what happened in the markets and the differential that really people don't understand. Because it's easier to, easy to understand that, oh yeah, they shut down those dollars, you know, increase the revenue. But it's this this valuation, this asset inflation. And now, as we're seeing that that's taken hold in terms of overall inflation, which means that every dollar that you have is worth less and you can buy fewer goods and services. Uh, that is a tax that is directly on you if you are poor or in the middle class and you're not you know one of these asset
0: and that's, and and of course that also threatens pe- those 401k people who are, oh, who are heavily on, on the equity side. But if they have their investments managed by professionals, then of course those people are moving into bonds, uh, you know, it, it, fine.
1: Into bonds in this environment.
0: Well, though that's the funny thing, right? Because bonds are not making them any money. No, bonds,
1: bonds are because so they're, print, they're printing yields, yields money. Bonds trade in inverse or go in inverse of each other. So, so bonds. This is not a good time to be in bonds.
0: Right. So, so, so. But then, how? I mean, like, the, I'm asking you, why is it a bad policy to print money? I mean, I mean you know, I, I got, I'm sorry, I do have a bachelor's degree it's in economics. To, yes,
1: to, to to print money and devalue everybody's uh, currency, <laughs> that's not a good thing.
0: But, Laurie, right, so let's go through it. Let's, let's, without getting into the, the macroeconomics, which I'm really not competent to, to follow much more than we've <laughs> already taken it, let's talk about, from the point of view of, of, of Johnny Main Street, okay? Yeah. Mendy um, Wayne Street, Main Street, okay uh we're gonna tell all these small stores they can't open up but we're gonna let all the chains open up for some kind of stupid ass reason that no one really understands and then we're gonna have all these abandoned storefronts right and this depressed economy and what's the and and all these people and all this displacement of the worker class of the, of the and the middle middle class forget it middle class essentially not no such thing anymore some you know what's the what's the political I so we understand who, who's getting rich it's the richer the richer are mm-hmm. getting richer nothing new there but politically how does this pay off yep. for the people running it because there's going to be a lot of disgruntalization. You'd so think?
1: The, so it's the it's the basically this the central planning monster that is looking to consolidate their power and to bring more money and power and control underneath their purview. And so basically what they have done you know over the last 19 months is they have trained people and obviously not everybody's fallen for this but they've trained people
0: to have that removed. <laughs>
1: They've trained people to believe that the government is there to take care of them. And if you're somebody who doesn't understand all the economic implications, say, oh, well, look, they gave me a stimulus check. Oh, look, you know they, they tried to take care of me. The stimulus check, by the way, is the dry run for universal basic income. So all of these people who end up staying out of the workforce um, and even if you look at the three and a half trillion dollar social you know spending plan, they're giving more fertile tax credits and they get want to get more into education. all these things that move you further onto the government dole. So the idea from a central planning standpoint is to be in charge of just about everything. And it's very expedient to do that via cronyism and just have, a handful of big businesses to have big government and to have big special interests and basically have them run everything, and so that's that's where every sort of um, average American has become the pawn in here. But if you go back to the inflation argument, yes, you got your check, but we know as of you know recent data you're going to be spending at least $175 per family. And that number is probably low a month extra just based on the current inflation. And that's probably going up um, not to mention all of these other issues. So you basically made a really bad, let's make a deal trade. Like if the, the curtains open, the zonk is being in there, but people don't understand the implications. So they just think I got my, my $1,400. And the worst part is, is that they blame the rest on capitalism, when it was completely central planners' intervention in the free market that has created every single one of these issues.
0: So what you didn't say, but what I'm hearing is we're buying the votes of the people who get these bennies. These
1: cheaply, cheap. by the way, they're, they're buying them cheaply. They're, they're not paying very much for them. Gix, like, it's like, it's gix, like you
0: know, Kyle Roth. Yes, yes, that's exactly
1: the basement. <laughs> They're buying
0: them cheaply. They're buying them with emotional points, emotional points, and v- which are worth even less than Verizon app dollars.
1: <laughs> or, or Chuck E. Cheese tickets where you can put like, you know, 300 of them out and you get three Tootsie Rolls.
0: I get these messages this is a diversion because this is the add um section of our Verizon sends me these notices they're so cute and tells me until you know i have um 120 120 device dollars device, device dollars i think oh, okay that sounds like fun you know what device dollars are for they're just money you can apply it <laughs> to buy something thou- more right to a $1000 <laughs> new phone okay like it's not like oh i can use that for a case or a uh, uh, new micro usb cord no it's just to buy stuff you absolutely don't it's want a okay. trick ron
1: coleman it's a trick that's not right isn't the government supposed to protect us from that
0: <laughs> all right now, now and now let me look let me now at this point once you've determined that you can flip the entire country politically by controlling half a dozen municipalities politically, you can tailor your cheap political payoff to what is most desired in those municipalities and let everyone else go to hell.
1: Or even better, you can write a bill that's called We Help Poor People Bill and all of the actual actions help the rich because that's really what it is every single time. That's the trick is like the people are counting the like hundred dollars from their STIMI check and they're backing up the Brinks truck with trillions of dollars behind everyone, but the people don't see it because they're so excited about their couple hundred bucks. And that's the big trick.
0: Carol, you're a woman of action. You've been of action the...
1: figure as well.
0: <laughs> you're a you're a plastic figurine of action. <laughs> I wish I were. I were. I, there's a Yiddish word, gishik. I wish I were coordinated and quick enough. And I'm pretty good actually. Uh, but maybe I just don't want to get that distracted to show you the, the Ron Coleman bobblehead <laughs> that I actually made believe exists for a blog post many years ago. But it's really very cute. Um, but you know how these things, like, how do these the the theys we're talking about what they're doing? How do the, how do they coordinate? How does the message go out? Is it really do they meet in some <laughs> uh, in, in some? I assume that the um, the the masons are in on this, right? And like, how does how does it how does it happen?
1: i'm just going to put out there since you and i are jewish this is not the jews like we did not do this this is not a a coordination with i wish there were no jews involved
0: (laughs) i i I wish either that there were no i i I wish either there were no jews involved or that i would get a little bit involved then (laughs) so i can build you know a couple bedrooms for the grandchildren okay
1: so i think it really is about seeing what works my guess is i mean if you look at and this is just just an educated guess we're kind of spitballing real time but if you look at the entire body of the people who are in charge here i mean they're complete morons like if you put out their resumes and you 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 took it on a blind basis and you said based on this person's level of expertise and here let me play you back a you know a, a transcript of things they've said and done like, do you think they should be in charge of allocating trillions of dollars and you know making decisions about you know anything? And you'd look at it and you'd be like, Lord, no, like absolutely not. Um, but I would imagine that it's either a handful of really smart people, and whether those come from business, whether they're sort of political activists or whatnot, who have seen what has worked. And understand how to incentivize these, you know, useful idiots to be able to go out and use what they do have, which is, you know, charisma or connections or whatever. Um, as as Paul says, I think it, it, it's uh, charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. So you can use the, the 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 first letter of all of those to put together what they actually are. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think they they go out there and they run the playbook. And the playbook is very clear and people are very emotionally manipulable. And what they've all done a really good job of, regardless of the party, is saying, listen, guys, if we turn everybody against each other, they won't point the fingers at us and we can just get away with this all. And so you know, again, I'm 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 not I'm not part of the club, so I can't tell you the, the you know the the one or two puppet masters, but I think that's sort of generally, you know, how this all comes about. And power begets power, right? People may go in with the best intentions and then they realize how the game is played and go, Well, I like the game, so I'm just gonna play it.
0: Well, I'm gonna give you an example. I mean, I've got a friend. Well, let's say I don't have a friend. I don't have a friend. You know that. No. Let's let's say I know this guy. <laughs>
1: a guy do you got a guy
0: you got a guy <laughs> hey i got the best guy <laughs> your guy don't know nothing Well, let's just say what what i see happening around me is that people are learning how to people who before were not people you thought of in this way learning how to game the system oh i've listen there's all this the government's giving away money for, for covid testing why should I be a schmuck and let someone else make money off COVID testing? I'll find a doctor who'll do the COVID. It, it, it's, it's almost if you if you ever read about the the opioid um, for, you know um, yeah. industry, find a doctor who'll write the prescriptions and set them up, and you know, and you, you know, you split the yeah. profits. So now there's you can't get tested enough, and you can't get vaccined enough, you can't get screened enough and you can't get masked enough and you spread the wealth to all these people who are in a what happened to the medical profession when did they when did they stop when did they just start doing what they the answer i just heard a podcast this morning about the history of the lobotomy ah yeah why did we ever trust doctors
1: Listen, human nature is human nature. And I know there are a lot of people who want to pretend that human nature doesn't exist or that we are these evolved beings. But the reality is, we're not. Humans just are humans. And they tend to do the same kinds of things in the same kinds of scenarios over and over again. And unfortunately, I think with the medical profession, as you know, happens with some of these other professions, is that there actually is a ton of government intervention that doesn't let the free market work and sort these issues out in a way that you know, would normally happen if you let that mechanism work, work, you know, I mean, it, it, the fact that even just from a healthcare perspective, the fact that we have healthcare insurance tied to our jobs, like that doesn't make, any sense? Why should you? We can go out and buy literally anything freely. Like, why would you not be able to go buy healthcare insurance, or in some cases, just get health care, right in a free market? I mean, it's so distorted. Well, the, I mean, the, mar-
0: the market distortion by the third-party payer system has made it impossible to ever buy healthcare as a, a, you know a la carte. I mean, I, hi, I'd like to come in and get an X-ray. Finally, that's that'll be thirty-seven hundred dollars. I just want to make see if my, how my wrist is doing, okay? Right. Can you just take a picture? Yeah, you know, well, give me, you know, for cash we'll do it for 3300. I mean, you know, Right. Okay. And,
1: but again this is all I think the important part to say is this is all not capitalism, free market, free choice. This is all the central planning intervention that makes it difficult because they get benefits and they derive power and that's this vicious cycle that we've been in that really has accelerated like massively in the last 20 years that's put us in the position that we are in
0: today. That's true, and boy, you you really I did a thread I guess it was at the end of last year about a Going to my uh, the, the friend the home of, of a friend who I met through Twitter who, who was a former investment banker who who, who really explained it, like it's, it's almost you wrote you wrote the book this is, yeah. this was what he was explaining to me and but but one of the things that really st- st- it sticks with him is the contempt that they have for everyone who's not one of them that it's not merely, a lack of interest. Don't say disinterest, say uninterest. They really, the example he always gives me, Tom, I know you're listening and I'm going to have you on the podcast. He was over, he he was, he, he, oh, he was explaining to one of these masters of uh, the universe about the alienation that's taking place between Joe Lunchpail and Wall Street. Right. And he was trying to sketch, you know, draw a sketch for him of just the modest ambitions of most regular people. He said, you know, they want to have a house and maybe be able to go on a vacation a few times a year and have a car and have cars for the kids, you know, maybe have a snowmobile, And the guy looks at him and says, why do they need a snowmobile? (laughs) This is a guy who owns, you know, three yachts. Why do they need a snowmobile? You know, all right, listen.
1: This is, by the way, this is the underpinning. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the sort of retail revolution and the ape movements on Wall Street. These retail investors who have been trying to you
0: know, oh do the yes short no noises. oh no this this was actually so in, I did a couple of um pieces uh, you know um car videos in the beginning of the year saying that I I saw in the GameStop moment yep a tremendous trem- a tremendously encouraging insight which was that or I got an encouraging insight which was that. A, there's, there are these re- are really smart people who really understand things well in this and understand money and who with blockchain, if we can keep the state out of it, or at least more or less out of it, gives the ability for resistance, economic resistance, which economics is everything. Economics is everything. Money talks, the rest walks, right? Economic resistance, which leads to cultural resistance. What was the, I mean, they ultimately kept GameStop stock down, right? I mean, that they did.
1: No, it's still up. So GameStop and and AMC is the, you know, one of the other um, stocks that they're focused on still at elevated valuations, but the, the the underpinning of it isn't really about those particular stocks. It's no, of course. The messaging and the messaging, I've heard this time and time again, is you know we are Main Street America, and all we want is an opportunity to participate in wealth creation and to have a fair and level playing field. That's it. That's all they want. They just they want to they want to learn. And this was a huge opportunity for Wall Street to say, wow, this is great. We can mentor a new generation of investors. We can bring more people into the fold. They can see how important this is. And like you said, there's this such such arrogance that they say, no. We're so smart only us. We only get to be in this club, and, and they completely just you know pushed aside that opportunity. And, and that, how
0: fast did the regulators and the Democratic Party in Congress run to defend pe- the, the, the billionaires? Yeah. I know that
1: part that, that makes no sense. I mean, if you're paying attention and these you know, progressives and Democrats and these people who are supposed to be for the little guys, whether it's small business, whether it's these individual investors, you know, whether it's these people who've been on the corporate doll, whether it's the George Floyd social justice protest, I mean, whatever it is, all of this is a pushback against central planning and this this consolidation of power and they just want that decentralized economic freedom and fair playing field and the fact that so many people can't connect those dots and keep going back to the person who is creating that problem for the solution is the issue and that that is the learning piece that those of us who believe in individual rights, freedom, and economic freedom, you know, as we're talking to young people, it, you know, it, it's just about these principles. If we can get people focused on the principles, eventually they will be able to connect those dots.
0: That's why. In fact, what you just said, that's why the message has to be managed and independent thought on any topic, including medicine economics, elections has to be censored and centers have to be canceled because as you point out, Carol, if people read books and have discussions like this and communicate freely on the internet and aggregate influence over social media without the permission of the big stakeholders, these many, many movements that you're describing might actually begin to have some kind of effect. Can't let that happen.
1: Right, and there there are more of us than there are of them. And I always laugh. I always say, you know, the, the progressives and the like, centrists, the libertarians, and even some on the far right have much more in common than any of them realize. They've all identified the same problems. They've just approached the solutions a little bit differently. And so if people could actually come at it from that okay, here we all agree there's a problem here, uh, you know, I think there's ground to be made. But as as you said, that is not politically expedient. That does not work for the people who are in power. And so they want they, they don't want us to do that. It's why they sow this discourse, is why they have us, you know, continually at each other, other's throats. And unfortunately, again, human nature plays in there and people fall for the bait every single time. I mean, there are like complete idiots. People keep elevating their voices. And I keep saying, these people are inconsequential. Like, why are we even, like, involving them? Like, why are we even giving them any credence, involving them in the discourse? And it's because it's an easy score of points. And I want, you know, my return on ego, and I want to show how smart. Like, we need to just move, like, the nonsense out and go, that's nonsense. I'm, like, not even engaging with the nonsense anymore.
0: You're saying Bill Crystal isn't really a major <laughs> op- opinion leader?
1: Um, that was not the specific person I have in mind, but as I said, there are many of them.
0: <laughs> Carol, what would you have in mind? What did you have in mind?
1: I'm not going to elevate. See, this is a thing. Oh,
0: you're not going like, to elevate? No one listens to this. No, Just me no, and you talking.
1: No, mm-mm. I'm not doing it. I'm not engaging with the nonsense. There's too many purveyors of nonsense out there and they don't deserve the, the platform.
0: And, you know, as you were describing this phenomenon, uh, my, my my little exposure to game theory popped into my head. Yeah whenever you can whenever you can offer low-hanging fruit, in other words, what we're really talking about to some extent is let's form a cartel of influence in a positive way. In other words, let's let's decide, let's be smart shoppers and decide whom we're going to listen to independently and not shutting others down. but, call it a
1: cartel because a cartel uses force. Let's just say that individuals are coming together with like thoughts, right? Well,
0: well no, but you're saying let's not elevate. See, Let's not elevate people. Let's Isn't that a mirror image of cancel culture? I mean, that's such a stupid ass question, but l- no, let me but, serve it up to you anyway.
1: I'm, I'm not suggesting that there's a boycott or a um you know a a focus I'm just saying decide for yourself who I'm not going to give you the list of people just say decide for yourself is this person worthy I mean we have limited time and attention like is this the voice that's the most important to put out there whether or not you score a point for like punching on that person or not and let's get rid of the nonsense and again you I'm not going to force anyone to do it because that's the whole point of this is you have to come to it individually, because I don't believe in the force of the the coercion and control. You have to do it freely, but it's a smart strategy. And so I'm happy to to share the smart strategy and have more people freely choose to join in on that strategy.
0: So what do you think are the, I I sense notwithstanding your quite able assessment and condemnation of troubling (laughs) times that we're living through, I nonetheless sense on your part, maybe just because of your attitude, your personality, a streak of optimism.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I think if you are an entrepreneur by heart, you have to be optimistic because you don't succeed being negative. And I always think, you know, I'm also a fighter, (laughs) and so I think like you just keep fighting until like, there's no fight left to give. Like, I'm not gonna like just cower in the corner and get punched, it's just not my nature.
0: Yeah, Kurt Schlichter and I, are, we're always, people are, you know, we, we always have to feel these questions about, does it even matter anymore? The legal, you know, legal challenges are yesterday's battle and they control everything. And, and we say, listen, all we have are the tools that we have. Exactly. And exactly. we're persuaders and we happen to both be litigators. We go into court, we know how to, and until they drag us right kicking is either kicking and screaming or lobotomized right from the from the well of the courtroom that we're going to keep doing what we're doing and carol's going to keep doing what she doing what is doing which is yeah, i don't know if she told just, me what it is
1: it's just how we're built and so it, listen if you're not optimistic that something's going to turn that we can turn something around in america like the whole world is you know you know what id and you know like get ready for like the zombie apocalypse and world war you know, z or whatever it is because like that is the outcome if things go south that's what i say about the stock market like yes there are a lot of horrendous things going on but i'm still going to continue to invest for long terms and hope that we can get through these like rough patches because if that goes south like the problems that we're talking about like, like we're going to be talking about like survival problems i mean it's that it's that serious and so It's like you're
0: you're getting you're saying something actually very significant, not that the other things you said until now were insignificant, but it's something that 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 would be very easy to skip over. Do you would you say still that as Lincoln said that America is still the world's humanity's last best hope that it's got to succeed here or else it's going to be like a domino effect on freedom and liberty? Is that really true?
1: I'm not quite quite as eloquent as Mr. Lincoln was, I say we are the skinniest kid at fat camp is the way that I say it. And so basically there is no other alter, no, I'm not, that's not, that's not an initial thing. That's just a, we are the- (laughs) that's, that's 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 just a straightforward comparison. So there is nowhere else in the world that is prepared to step into the role of being the protector of individual rights,
0: or that has, or or that has, that has both that desire and, and the,
1: the and, the, scale, and the, capacity. Right? the the ability to do it at scale. So the reality is, we have no competition. I mean, all these people who think that like somehow China is gonna like, they're they're not stepping into this role. It's just that's just not. Well, certainly happening. not. So, so the, the reality is like if America doesn't succeed as that place, like there is no other option. And so it, it has to, or like the world is in a really bad place.
0: So, so we both agree, I think that the world may very, very well be in a very, really, really bad place yeah. or, or that it might be on the way there. But I, I do think it's an interesting question. I mean, I do think that as, I don't know how many generations, you, know, you, you and I obviously are, neither of us are Mayflower descendants. Um, <laughs> she laughs, <laughs> uh, but we, you know, the, we left Poland, my people in the thirties and we left Cuba, my mother's family in the fifties. And I, I don't know where you would uh, go you know, from Lithuania, here. Lithuania,
1: Russian Romania, um, in the late 1800s and early 1900s.
0: Right. And my dad, or my father's family, same, but are we there is this American exceptionalism thing which does tend to make us Americans often think it's got to be here it can't be anywhere else but is that see I would have asked is that that, really true but look what happened to Australia that was supposed to be so
1: so, uh, let me tell you so it's it's the reason why America is exceptional and it's not It's not like we're exceptional because we're America. It's because America was founded as the only country that recognized individual rights, including property rights, and recognized that the government's only role was to to protect them. I mean, that's how this country was founded. And that's what makes it the unique example in the world. Like there's nowhere else that was based on this principle. And that- She
0: said based. You heard that? That's going to be, that's an excerpt. So, okay. so,
1: based, so basically, based. this <laughs> this principle is what allowed us to become exceptional. It, it rolls out of the fact that we recognized and protected individual rights, and obviously, over time, there's been a chipping away of that, and you know, it's it's getting worse, but it's still kind of the core to, to where we were, and certainly nobody else is stepping in to take that. Should there be another country like, look, look, if India was like really smart, they'd be like, we're gonna go and- They're really they smart.
0: Do. India's really smart. They might, this, you know.
1: So, uh, so I'm saying, so like, here you go, feel free to steal this India and I'll come live by you, but <laughs> go back to, to where we started in terms of what the constitution you know, was set forth to do and structure that, you know, structure things that way and focus on freedom and choice and the guardrails of property rights at scale, and that country is going to be the one that succeeds. I mean, that's just, it, it's the foundation of what makes America exceptional. It's not the fact that, like, you know, like out of thin air that we just happen to be this amazing people.
0: I, I, I wish we had a way to put some rigor into that proposition and reassure ourselves that it's not merely an emotional reaction that, you know, very intellectual people, such as our, our eminently intellectual people, such as ourselves, can nonetheless convince themselves of because we like it here. And we are, we identify. I mean, a lot of it, again, Europe has, I think COVID has really blown the cover of, it's shown really everyone who they really are. I mean, people, your neighbors, people who you thought were normal people (laughs) now running across the street to yell at you uh, about wearing a mask when you, you know, when you get your mail. I mean, it's a different, not my my neighbors, my neighbors are non-compliant Orthodox Jews, of course. (laughs) Carol, I'm so glad we have this little chat. We have to talk again soon. Probably we're almost out of these books, but you'll print more, right? If people for the, go and watch more,
1: yeah, you go, so, buy
0: the more good books. Good
1: news is I have a, a very large publisher. Um, and while you could go to the quote unquote big guy, and it is, I think, on quite a sale there. What I would encourage people to do is to go to either your local bookseller or go to bookshop.org which fulfills from local booksellers and you mm-hmm. can actually support a small business while you learn about supporting small business and individual rights and and you know it becomes a win-win situation so i
0: hope Oh see see, see you were, you know Carol you really set me up there i thought you were about to pitch me to your own website where you were going to sell them yourself. And you're going to cut the middleman out. And like, <laughs> you, you know, the whole sales funnel It's like, no, buy my book. That's fine. That's fine. Buy it from a third party. They're a sell. I write books. I don't sell them, but make a choice. Delightful. Carol, thank you for culminating with me this evening.
1: Thank you. I appreciate the culmination efforts.
0: We'll talk soon. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman nation podcast.